What is up out there in podcast land? Happy Halloween weekend from the Fortress of Rock, episode 63, taping here tonight, Friday evening, October the 28th, 2022. Glad to have you aboard. Lots to talk about in the world of rock and roll, so let's get into it. As always, segment one is news of the world, the top headlines in the world of rock music. Motley Crue just finished up the stadium tour. We reviewed the crew, Poison, Joan Jett, and Def Leppard. Here a couple months back, they're going out on tour overseas, Europe, and Latin America in 2023, but unfortunately, Mick Mars, guitarist for Motley Crue, will not be joining them. He is retiring from touring, and anybody who knows what he has been through physically should not be surprised or shocked at all by this. Now, I was waiting to hear who they would bring in to replace him. I figured it would have to be a big name, and it is a big name. John Five, of course, most well-known for being the lead guitarist in Rob Zombie's band. Extensive work with David Lee Roth. He will be in as the replacement for Mick Mars on the cruise 2023 tour. Dolly Parton. Yes, Dolly Parton going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, which I still have massive problems and issues with. But I'll give her credit. She's trying. She is trying to fit into the Rock and Roll click. Years ago, she did a cover of Stairway to Heaven. The classic Led Zeppelin song, of course, you know it, I know it. Some consider it the greatest rock and roll song of all time. She has done a cover version of this song in the past. Now, we, we've talked about this, and I still, I'm not buying into it. I still think Dolly Parton is an exemplary marketer. She knows how to market herself and make herself likable among all factions, country music, rock and roll music. That's how she was able to get in to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Remember when she said, oh, the humble brag. Oh, I don't want to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so I'll bow out. Yet she somehow still got in. 
And now she's still sticking with, kudos to her, sticking with this plan where she wants to put out a rock and roll album. So again, she has previously done Stairway to Heaven. Now she wants to redo it, but she wants to bring in Jimmy Page and Robert Plant to help her do a new version of Stairway to Heaven. Once again, I will just say this. Dolly Parton is one of the smartest musicians on the face of the earth when it comes to marketing herself, when it comes to being humble, when it comes to knowing when to weave her way into certain generations and certain parts of rock and roll and music in general. And this is what she's doing again. I will still say, Jan Winner not even giving any credit, any credence to Foreigner Sticks, REO Speedwagon, and Boston. Yet, Dolly Parton's going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a travesty beyond all belief. And this has got nothing against Dolly Parton as a person, as a musician, as an artist. Everybody loves Dolly Parton. How can you not love Dolly Parton? But when it comes to the integrity of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'll say it, nobody else will, but I'll say it, this is a stunt by Dolly Parton to, again, make herself look worthy to being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And all the idiots on the board who who vote year after year to put in lesser acts, country acts, rap acts, ahead of true rock and roll performers, you should be ashamed of yourselves. You should be literally ashamed of yourselves for what you do. And if this kind of stunt by Dolly Parton, again, love Dolly. But this is a stunt, a publicity stunt. You guys buy into this, shame on you. On the movie front, a very intriguing, interesting movie. Going back to my early childhood, back to the days when I was first getting into music. Casablanca Records was the imprint that gave us Kiss, that gave us Donna Summer, that gave us the Village People. Everybody back then, 
my age group, my generation, knows how important Casablanca Records was. Neil Bogart, of course, was the head, the genius behind Casablanca Records. His son has put out, commissioned a movie about the heyday of Casablanca Records in the 70s. It is called Spinning Gold. Comes out in theaters March the 31st of 2023. Definitely got to check that out. Again, I was a fan of Kiss. I was also a fan of Disco. So... I understand the importance of Casablanca Records. I understand the importance of of how they tried to pull all those bands together. And again, if you look at what Neil Bogart tried to do, and you look at how we try to pull everybody together with music, Casablanca did that in the late 70s. It wasn't just a hip-hop label or a rap label or a heavy metal label. They brought in music of all types. All they tried to do was bring in the best performers they could. So that's why I want to see Spinning Gold hitting theaters March the 31st, 2023. Of course, we've got Van Halen news. How could we not have Van Halen news here each and every week on the Fortress of Rock? Wolfgang Van Halen has confirmed that he is deep into work on the second Mammoth WVH album. He is actually using a guitar that Eddie Van Halen, the late great Eddie Van Halen, used on the Fair Warning album. And you know I love that. You know I love that. You know I love this old school Van Halen stuff. Wolfie posted a couple updates, which I just want to share with you guys. October the 4th, let Mammoth 2 commence. And then on October the 12th, drums done, me tired, bass next. So when I see them in February 2023 with Bridge, hopefully... We should get a lot of new music for me to pass along to you, 
for me to review. Next, we move on to Kings of Chaos. Who, you might ask, are the Kings of Chaos? Well, do you remember Velvet Revolver? Of course, Velvet Revolver was a supergroup put together with Scott Wheland of Stone Temple Pilots on vocals, Slash and Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses, along with Matt Sorum, also from Guns N' Roses. We all know the the tragic history of Scott Wheeland. We all know the fact that Slash has got Guns N' Roses reformed. Also, side project with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. But Kings of Chaos is kind of an amalgam of that mess. The leftovers from Velvet Revolver. Basically, your core of the Kings of Chaos is going to be Matt Sorum and Duff McKagan. Slash will come in once in a while and play. New album coming maybe 2023, could be 2024. Lots of other hard rock, heavy metal, all-stars coming in to fill the gaps. Check out the first single from the Kings of Chaos, this new configuration out now called Judgment Day. Matt Sorum on vocals. Slash is in on this song, although he is not, of course, as busy as he is. He cannot commit to the whole the whole project. But a very interesting new band to check out, kids. Finally, as we wrap up News of the World, unfortunately, we've got to look at a couple passings in the world of rock and roll, a couple moments of silence. First and foremost, of course, great balls of fire, controversy in his life. He brought a lot of of bad tidings, a lot of bad headlines upon himself for some of the things he did, but no one can dispute he was one of the first, the pioneers of rock and roll passing away here within the last couple days, the great Jerry Lee Lewis. So please put him in your thoughts and prayers. 
And then on a little more subtle note, but for those of us in classic rock and roll, Greg Philbin, the original bass player for Ario Speedwagon. He was on bass for the first six studio albums from Mario and their first live album, You Get What You Play For, which is phenomenal. Of course, he was replaced by Bruce Hall. Kevin Cronin, the current leader, the current lead singer of REO Speedwagon, had nothing but great things to say about him. They kind of passed in the night. Philbin was leaving the band kind of around the time that Kevin Cronin was just coming in, taking over as the driving force for REO Speedwagon. Kevin Cronin basically said, do not discount the influence, the impact that Greg Philbin had on the sound of REO Speedwagon, being one of the founding members, the founding fathers of REO Speedwagon. So there you go, kids. That is segment one, News of the World. Lots of reviews. We've got huge stuff coming up in Breakdown. Lots of reviews. We have got a concert. Judas Priest in Queensryche. An album. Skid Row's new one. The Gang's All Here. Three new songs from Queen, John Mellencamp, and Rival Sons. Although, when I say new... I should qualify that because the songs we're going to review from Queen and John Mellencamp are actually lost, rediscovered tracks. So stay tuned for that. I'll be right back here after a quick promo here on The Fortress. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes. Breakdown, where we are going to review all the new songs, all the new albums, all the new concert tours, the shows that I've seen personally. Stay tuned for that. Of course, we're now available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hang out, kids. We'll be right back. Hey kids, welcome back to the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane, episode 63, taping Friday night, 
October the 28th, 2022. Of course, segment two, as always, is Breakdown, our tribute to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. New music, concerts, albums, and singles, and we have got a lot to discuss this week, so let's get into it. Of course, you guys know if you listened to last weekend's episode, you know I had to post that a little bit early because I was going to see Judas Priest and Queensryche live at the Wings Event Center in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So, of course, we're going to lead off with a review of that show. Little bit disappointed in Queensryche. I've seen them once before. I've never seen them with Jeff Tate. Let me preface it by saying that. I've never seen the classic lineup of Queensryche. I saw them about five or six years ago when they opened up for the Scorpions. Here they open up for Judas Priest. Some old school fans might be happy with this set list. Eight songs, roughly 45 minutes, of course, opening before The Priest. My problem with it was when I saw them earlier on opening for The Scorpions, they at least gave a little bit more of a nod to Empire, the album. And I know diehard Queensryche fans want Operation Mindcrime. They want all the old school stuff. I don't know where this set list fits in. They played one new song off the album that I just reviewed, Digital Noise Alliance. They played Behind the Walls. I got one song off of Empire, of course, the title track, which I think there would be a riot if they did not play Empire off of Empire. Now, that being said, nothing else, nothing else off of Empire. No Silent Lucidity, no Jet City Woman. An interesting eight-song mix. Queen of the Reich, Warning, Enforce, Behind the Walls, Empire, The Needle Lies, Screaming in Digital, and Eyes of a Stranger. And the sound was not that great. It took me about 
a minute before I realized they were actually playing Eyes of a Stranger at the end. But overall, the set list to me was unimpressive. Old school Queensryche fans might have liked it more than me. I'm more of an Empire era guy. So, in terms of sound, in terms of tone, tempo, Queensryche sounds to me like a band that wants to try to now capture the new generation. They want to be more like a a hard school, five-finger death punch, Breaking Benjamin type of band, and they have given up all aspects, all pretensions when it comes to being more nuanced like they were back when Jeff Tate was in the band. So I have to say I was not not overly impressed with Queensryche's opening set last Friday night. On the 21st. Then we get into the headliner. Judas Priest. I have friends who, yeah, I know, that shocks you. I have friends. I have friends who aren't big fans of some of these bands out there like Pearl Jam and Dave Matthews Band, who play multiple nights at one venue or shift and change their set list each and every night. But credit has to go out to Judas Priest because I just saw Judas Priest for the first time last September. September the 16th, 2021. And Judas Priest, outside of the encore, where they played the same three songs both nights here on the show I'm reviewing, October the 21st, 2022, at Wings Event Center in Van Andel Arena, the 16th of September, 2021. Same exact encore, except for the fact they shifted the Hellion and Electric Eye up from the beginning of the encore to the beginning of the main show. The encore was the same. Hellbent for Leather with Rob Halford coming out on the motorcycle, breaking the law, living after midnight. The only other thing they kept the same, song three, both times, again, like Empire with Queensryche, the song you cannot skip. You cannot leave it out of the set list. 
that song would be You've Got Another Thing Coming. Beyond that, unbelievable, unbelievable props, kudos to Judas Priest for shifting the set list entirely. Not one song was the same. Outside of the exceptions I just told you. I complained last year in 2021. I did not get heading out to the highway. I got it this time. I also got Screaming for Vengeance, which they did not play the last time. Now, they did not play anything off of Turbo this time around. And again, you got to remember, when I grew up, that was the era of Judas Priest that I came up with. It was point of entry, screaming for vengeance, defenders of the faith, turbo. That was the era I grew up in. And I will give them unbelievable credit for the fact that they covered over the last two shows, over the last two years, both both shows covered all the albums that I grew up with and loved. This is a smart band led by, of course, the genius and still unbelievable to this day with his vocals, Rob Halford. Don't wait to see your favorite bands in concert. I got lucky. I have loved Judas Priest for decades Finally got to see them for the first time last year, second time this year with the completely different set list. As I said, friends of mine don't like bands like Pearl Jam, like Dave Matthews, who do this. Gone to see Poison. Saw them three years three years in a row, about a decade, 12, 15 years ago. And it was year after year, the same set list. They wouldn't dig down deeper into some of their big albums and give you some of those deeper tracks. Much respect, much love to a band like Judas Priest who does this. Go out and see Judas Priest or your band that you love that you have not seen in years or have not gotten to see. Because number one, they will shock and surprise you probably. And number two, you don't know when they're going to call it quits. So get out there. See bands like Judas Priest, 
See them now. Moving on to new music. Skid Row. I loved Skid Row with Sebastian Bach. Three albums. Unbelievable. Three albums. In terms of reputation, sales, critical reviews all over the map. The first album, Skid Row, of course, was phenomenal, legendary, but had times when it was a little bit poppy, a little bit of a sellout album. The second, Slave to the Grind, is legendary. The first number one album when Billboard switched to the sound scan system of rating album sales. Monkey Business, Slave to the Grind. I mean, just a raw, brutal, awesome album. One of the greatest albums ever released. And then things started to fracture among the band. But Subhuman Race, to me, the third and final album when it came to full studio albums, from Skid Row with Sebastian Bach. Subhuman Race is underrated. Subhuman Race tried to carry on the tone of Slave to the Grind, but was overlooked, which is a shame, an absolute shame. Then Skid Row, of course, parted ways with Sebastian Bach. Neither neither side was better for it. Sebastian Bach put out some decent solo albums, but nothing nearly as good as what he did with Skid Row. And the same goes with the Rachel Boland, Snake Sabo, the guys in, in Skid Row. They tried to bring in different lead singers, tried to get more serious, tried to come up with concept albums, and it just didn't work. I think we finally have got a meeting to, of course, we all want Sebastian Bach back with Sabo and Bolin and the original core of Skid Row, which would be nuclear, would be fantastic, but... I'm telling you right now, with the new kid they brought in as their lead singer, on the gang's all here, Skid Row, this is the best we are going to get, the closest we are going to get to the original classic glory days of Skid Row. This kid sounds very close when it comes to sounding like Sebastian Bach. So let's go. As we always do here on the Fortress, track by track through Skid Row, the gang's all here. All right, so here we go, track by track. 
with the gangs all here. Hell or High Water leads off the new Skid Row album, and it's phenomenal. It's fantastic. Hell or High Water, let me tell you this right off before we even go into each and every song. There are 10 tracks on the gang's all here. No bad songs. Sneak peek. Spoiler alert. This album is phenomenal. It's what we needed. It's meat and potatoes. Fantastic old school skid row. Hell or High Water is fantastic to lead off the album. Then we go into the title track, The Gang's All Here. Again, phenomenal song. Not Dead Yet, track three. Again, great song with the awesome line. You don't throw dirt on an open casket. I've read some reviews online that are critical of the lyrics here on The Gang's All Here. They are not nearly as deep, socially relevant as an album like Slave to the Grind, but I didn't expect that. Take it for what it's worth. Time Bomb Track 4, again, rock solid, phenomenal. Resurrected Track 5, I wonder if this song is not a wink-wink hint. Skid Row saying, hey, guess what? We're back. We realized that since Sebastian Bach left, we weren't the same band, but now we are back. We are resurrected. Nowhere Fast, track six, again, solid. Not one of the best songs in the album, but again, like I said, there are no bad songs on this album. When the lights come on, just a straightforward rockin' party song. Tear It Down, track eight, could be one of the best songs on the album. October song track nine is the one song that harkens back to the slower stuff that Skid Row did with Sebastian Bach, a la I Remember You, but it's good. It's still good stuff. And then finally, the closing track is World on Fire. Not the strongest song on the album, but again, there are no weak tracks on The Gang's All Here. So in the end, this is an album I needed to hear. This is an album I needed. Straightforward, rock and roll, 10 songs, old school skid row. I guess I could call it Sebastian Bach Light. Yes, I will agree it does not have the depth of an album like Slave to the Grind or an album like Subhuman Race. Doesn't have quite the fire, but it's close. And it is better than anything you're going to get out there right now 
for the most part. So the Fortress of Rock highly, highly recommends Skid Row's new album, The Gang's All Here. Moving on to our singles for the week. Three songs. John Cougar Mellencamp. A bonus track. Unreleased song from the Scarecrow Sessions. Of course, John Cougar Mellencamp is putting out a deluxe edition of Scarecrow here in the next week. You guys know how much I love deluxe editions and reissues. But in this case, for this song, I'll say okay. Carolina Shag is a fun, lighthearted party song that would have fit perfectly in the whole vibe of the 80s when Scarecrow came out. For the most part, Scarecrow was a serious, down-to-earth, gritty album. Critics loved it. You know know how much I love the critics. With an occasional lighthearted moment, Carolina Shag, depending on who you talk to, would have fit in well. I think it was probably a good move not to put it on Scarecrow. I don't think it would have fit well at all because Scarecrow is beautiful and perfect as it is. But again, John Mellencamp here 30 years later has grown into a grumpy, pissed off old man. So something like Carolina Shag is fun to hear because it makes us think back to the time when John actually might have possibly been able to have fun and not hate everything. Now, of course, I'm going to see him in concert next year for the first time in about 22, 23 years. So we'll see. We'll see how John is. Has he lightened up any from from what I've read in interviews and from what I've heard and from what he's put out in terms of content? over the last 10 to 15 years. But Carolina Shag reminds me of the old, the old days when John Cougar Mellencamp could actually still sing about fun stuff and be a little bit lighthearted. Another song from a bygone era. The sound, the voice, the vocals of a dead man. And I'm not trying to make it sound spooky or eerie beyond that, but it is kind of odd, comforting, 
to hear the voice of Freddie Mercury for the first time in decades on a new song. Queen has released from the sessions from the album, The Miracle, the song called Face It Alone. And again, very odd, disquieting, comforting, encouraging to hear Freddie Mercury's voice again, strong. Now, a lot of people over the last decade with the movie Bohemian Rhapsody have have just gone crazy in terms of Freddie Mercury's the greatest of all time. Queen's the greatest of all time. No, they're not. And no, he's not. But Freddie Mercury's close when it comes to greatest lead singers of all time. I will never say Queen is one of the greatest bands of all time. I think that is something that will fade away here over the next 10 to 15 years. Because I think that is some kind of media-driven momentum based on the, the success of the movie. People going crazy about the, the, uh, the replay of the final performance at Live Aid. And I'm not disparaging Queen, but I think... They're riding a wave of momentum that has got to eventually calm down. But again, like I said, Freddie Mercury, still one of the greatest voices in rock history. So face it alone kind of proves my point both ways. So cool. So awesome to hear Freddie Mercury's voice again, that strong virtuoso nimble voice that can that can scale everything from highs to lows it's just in need in this case of a better song you figure though it's a a song that was on the cutting room floor so there's a reason for that it's not because of Freddie Mercury. It's because the song itself is just missing something. It doesn't have a backbone. You get a decent Brian May guitar solo in there, but I think it needed a second one. I really think it needed a second, even more bombastic, queen-like, knockdown, drag-out guitar solo to really make it a little bit more energetic, give it a little more punch. So as it is, Face It Alone to me is underwhelming. I can't recommend it. But at the same time, if you want to hear Freddie Mercury's voice on a new song one more time, then check out Face It Alone. Last song here on Breakdown.
before we wrap things up and move on to I want to go back. A band that I recently discovered within the last year opening for Greta Van Fleet. Rival Sons. Unbelievably impressed with them when I saw them here about nine months ago up in Kalamazoo, Michigan at Wings Event Center. Same place that I just mentioned that I just saw Judas Priest in Queensryche at. Rival Sons, much better than Greta Van Fleet. Sorry, but that's not a bad thing because I came away with a new love, a new passion for a new band. And I think even though they've been around for a while, Rival Sons are hitting their stride. I think they're finally starting to generate even more energy. They're starting to get that that momentum. The boulder is rolling down the hill. And you can hear it. The first single off their upcoming album, coming out in February 2023, the first single is Nobody Wants to Die. The video, check it out on YouTube, has very intense Quentin Tarantino-esque vibes to it. And that's what you get out of this band. They are intense. They are old school rock and roll. Great line at the beginning of the song about the preacher taking off his collar, wearing it as a headband. Is it the greatest thing you've ever heard? No. But in this desolate, desperate age where we're looking for anything and everything in terms of new rock and roll, new bands, Those of us who don't like rap music, those of us who hate the state of pop and hip-hop, we just want rock and roll straight ahead, straight forward, balls to the wall, rock and roll. That's what rival sons are. Nobody Wants to Die is fantastic. A clarion call coming from their new album. Hopefully, this will put them over the top make them headliners or at least co-headliners going into 2023 because we need rock and roll. We need saviors of rock and roll. And that's what I believe the rival sons are. They are saviors of rock and roll. All hail rival sons. All right. That's going to do it for a breakdown here this week. October the 28th, 2022, I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. Hang out for just a little bit longer. We've got a couple more promos to go through. And, of course, next segment, I want to go back, hopping into the Rock and Roll DeLorean, checking out anniversaries of classic album releases, moments in rock history, birthdays. You don't want to miss that. Hang out with me for just a little bit longer. I will be right back. 
All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back here on Halloween weekend to the Fortress of Rock. I am the maestro Kevin Crane, episode 63, taping here Friday night. October the 28th, 2022, it is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to the great Eddie Money, anniversaries of classic album releases, and moments in rock history, birthdays, what have you, first and foremost, a controversial birthday to discuss here on The Fortress. October the 28th, 1953, Desmond Child, 69 years old. Why is that controversial? Because Desmond Child can be associated with great things in music in the 80s and the 90s and awful things in the 80s and the 90s because he has helped to write some of the greatest hits for bands like Kiss, Bon Jovi, and Aerosmith. But if you look at those hits, if you look at the songs that Desmond Child wrote or co-wrote for those bands and others, Desmond Child could be considered the man who sold out a lot of the great rock and roll bands of the 80s and the 90s. If you needed a guy who could put together a really nice, simplistic rock ballad or generic cheesy rock song, you went to Desmond Child. Look on Wikipedia, look up the songs that Desmond Child wrote or co-wrote for a lot of the great bands from the 80s and the 90s. Nobody can dispute his influence. Nobody can dispute the fact that he was one of the greatest songwriters in terms of sales throughout my favorite genre, my favorite era of music, the 1980s and the 1990s. But quality-wise, I defy you to find me a song that Desmond Child wrote or co-wrote that is an all-time classic when it comes to depth, musicianship, emotion, 
You can't. I don't want to say hack. I have been very, very close here as I started to record this segment of calling him a hack. I don't want to call him a hack. But he's one of those guys that was always brought in. And some of my favorite bands are guilty. There, You would be shocked. There are so many bands. Great bands. Legendary bands. From the 80s and the 90s that brought Desmond Child in because they basically said, we need a hit. We need to make some money. So let's bring in Desmond Child to put together some generic yet catchy riffs to put us over the top, get us in the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. He did his job. He did his job very well. But I still think there is a part of me that hates him. I still think there is a part of me that despises him because he was a hired gun when it came to writing rock and roll songs. And I look back at every song that he is associated with, with all the bands that I love. And I still can't look at any of them without there being a taint, a stink of corporate espionage, let's put it that way, corporate greed. Let's do what we can to make Capitol Records or BMG or Warner Brothers happy to get them a top 10 hit despite the fact that the song might not be up to the standards of what this band that I'm writing it for normally would do. Again, you do your research on Desmond Child. I'm telling you, this guy was great for what he did, but in the end might have actually hurt rock and roll more than he helped rock and roll. One other birthday to celebrate this week on October the 28th, going back to 1936. The great Charlie Daniels. Of course, we in the past here on the Fortress have talked about country music and how it is kind of bumped into the rock and roll realm, especially in the 70s and the 80s. The devil went down to Georgia, one of the greatest examples of country music fusing with rock and roll and creating something fantastic, something memorable, something immortal. You cannot dispute the fact that the devil went down to Georgia was one of the greatest country rock songs of all time, if not the greatest country rock song of all time. 
1936, on this day, Charlie Daniels was born. Moving on to rock and roll anniversaries here. And I want to go back. October the 28th, 1997. Bill Berry left R.A.M. R.E.M. is a tricky band for me to discuss. Because they were very influential to me in the 80s with, with, with albums like Reckoning. It wasn't into the whole college music scene so much, but, but Reckoning just hit me was just such an influential album to me with South Central Rain, Pretty Persuasion, and R.E.M. unfortunately turned out to be one of those bands that never was able to follow through all the way. They had a run, four or five albums that were great, that were phenomenal, which will always, in my mind, put them ahead of a band like R.E.M., Even a band like Guns N' Roses, I know, blasphemy. You've got to look at it as who had the most longevity, who had the the career that sustained more. Are you going to look at a band that had one or two great albums or a band that was able to to be good over 15, 20, 25 years. And even though R.E.M. failed miserably over the last 10 to 15 years of their career before they called it quits, they had a nice run. It's a great debate. It is a great rock and roll debate. And a lot of people will get mad at me Argue with me, and that's what it's all about. I will probably put it out there. Because of the fact that I think Nirvana and Guns N' Roses get away with too much credit, too much praise for one album apiece, that R.E.M. should be looked at in a greater light, given more praise than those two bands. Now we're going back to my childhood. You guys remember we talked about last year the release of Foo Fighters, the the album, the soundtrack, the movie. Of course, Dream Widow was the the soundtrack for the movie Studio 666. And I mentioned earlier, months and months and months ago here on The Fortress, that this was a homage 
to the old Kiss movie that was on NBC and it debuted October the 28th of 1978, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. There was no shame in a big, massive rock band making a movie like this. The Beatles did it. The Monkees did it. No shame. That's why I admired it when the Foo Fighters did this with Studio 666. It was a wink, a nod, a, a hey, good job, kind of a nod to those bands, the Beatles, the Monkees, Kiss, going all the way back into the 70s and the 60s saying, we got it. We know what you were trying to do. We're going to follow through with it. Anybody of my age, 50s, 60s, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Again, debuted on NBC on this day in 1978. All right, before we wrap up, I want to go back. As always, just want to make note of my sources for all the stories that I come up with each and every week here on the Fortress of Rock. The opinions on all of these stories and ideas are mine and mine alone, but I have to give credit to ultimateclassicrock.com thisdayinmusic.com, and of course, the great, the glorious Van Halen News Desk. And you know, at least one source, one platform where you can find us, because if you're listening to me right now, you obviously have one. But there are plenty more out there. Plenty more options for you. You can find The Fortress on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible. And, of course, we have a Facebook page. Check out our Weekend Rock Project. This weekend, of course, involving Halloween and candy. Check that out. And, of course, Sunday you will find our link to our music video of the week, what we like to call our new music Sunday. So that will do it for segment three. I want to go back. The DeLorean, we're shutting it down. 1.21 gigawatts, shutting it down. 
We're not going to travel anymore. We're going to look at what's happening right now in the final segment. Coming up here, wrap it up. New releases in music and singles, upcoming concerts, what you've got to look forward to on the Fortress throughout November and into December. I'm the Maestro. We'll be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, kids, that's going to do it for the Fortress of Rock here. Episode 63, October the 28th, 2022. Have a great Halloween. Hope you and your kids stay safe. Hope the kids get tons of candy over the next few weeks. Next week, album review, the long-awaited Pawns and Kings review, Alter Bridge, one of my favorite bands out there right now. We will have that for you next week on the Fortress of Rock. Next week or two after that, the new Bush album, The Art of Survival. We'll finally get around to that. In terms of new songs, Mammoth, WVH, one of the three bonus tracks. You guys know I'm not a big fan of what Wolfie has done here with this reissue of his debut album. But we'll take it. We'll deal with it. Second release of the new songs. As long as you're not you. Next week on the Fortress of Rock, Bruce Springsteen. Covers album coming out. Classic songs from the 70s and the 60s. You guys know I love the Commodores. One of those bands from the 70s that pulled us together. Didn't matter. Skin color, music type. Bruce Springsteen's version of the Commodores. Classic hit, Night Shift. Coming next week. This one I'm going to have to dig into a little bit more. Delve into it a little bit more to see if it's going to be worth a review here on The Fortress. 
another band putting out unreleased stuff from their heyday. The Beach Boys. A song called Carry Me Home. So we'll have to see if once I dig in, review this, look into the history of this song, if it's something that we should be looking into a little bit deeper and reviewing here on The Fortress of Rock. Of course, we're getting into the holiday season, so I imagine things will start to slow down a little bit in terms of new music, new reviews. I don't think I've mentioned this yet here on The Fortress, but coming up here over the next month or so, I don't normally review holiday music because that's become a lazy, tired fallback for a lot of these artists when they want to just make a cheap and easy buck. But one of the guys that I love, one of the performers that I really respect and admire is putting out his second Christmas album, Chris Isaac. So I will definitely be reviewing that for you here on the Fortress of Rock. The man has got a smooth voice, of course, reminiscent in a little way of Elvis Presley. Seen him once in concert, want to see him again. He's funny, he is charismatic, one of the best shows you will ever see live is Chris Isaac. Everybody knows him for his classic hit, Wicked Game. But he has already got one Christmas album out, which is fantastic. Again, nothing wrong. Don't go crazy. Don't go nutsy cuckoo. Buying five, six, seven, eight Christmas albums every year, but one a year, nothing wrong with buying one holiday album a year just to get into the spirit. This year, for me, it will be the new Chris Isaac Christmas album, and we will review that for you here in the next month or so on the Fortress of Rock. All right. Take care of your kids on Monday. Watch, make sure they're safe. Make sure they get as much candy as humanly possible. Yeah, I know you don't want to hear that because you don't want them all geeked up on sugar. But just remember, this is their time. This is the kids' time to shine and to have fun. You suffer through one night Well, they're all fired up on sugar. It'll end. And you will wish it hadn't ended. Believe me. 10, 20, 30 years down the road, you'll look back and you will wish nights like Halloween with your kids never had ended.
So have fun. Be safe. Trick or treat with your kids. Have a blast. Dress up. Put on some makeup. Go out like Kiss or Motley Crue. The Fortress of Rock. Completely. Endorses. Halloween and all the nasty, evil, devil-worshipping crap that goes along with it. Because in the end, it's all just for fun. I'm the maestro. I will check you out next week. See you next Friday night, kids. Take care.